0: Tax transparency isn't just a buzzword, it's a growing force that has taken root at a legislative business and public accountability level. So what does tax transparency look like in the land of the free, home of the brave? On this episode of The Fiona Show, Transfer Pricing, we're putting America's efforts under the microscope and how they measure up to their international counterparts. Joining us today is tax attorney and transfer pricing advisor, Barbara Montagani, But first, a message from my friends and yours at Cross-Border Solutions. Hi, I'm Matthew DeMello, and you may know me as the host of the Fiona Show Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And while I love to discuss transfer pricing, this podcast isn't the only place you can hear me doing it. Cross-Border Solutions recently relaunched Transfer Pricing University, a live webinar series where you can learn about modern-day transfer pricing, everything from methodologies to comparables to preparing documentation to meet country-specific regulations. Good stuff, I know. Chief Economist Mimi Song leads the sessions. I just ask the occasional obvious question. Since our program is NASBA certified, you can earn one CPE credit for joining each session. Pretty sweet. So what are you waiting for? Join us for Transfer Pricing University Weekly. Classes are free, so now you really have no reason to miss it. Sign up at xbs.ai slash TPU. Welcome back everyone to the Fiona Show Transfer Pricing. We're here with tax attorney and transfer pricing advisor, Barbara Montagani, talking about how well America puts forth their effort in embodying tax transparency and how they measure up to their international counterparts. Welcome back, Barbara. Barbara, you've worked as a tax manager and attorney and at the IRS competent authority. Uh, How have the combination of these experiences provided you with a well-rounded view of tax?
1: Um, Well, first, thanks very much for the introduction. I wish I'd written it down. Um, (laughs) I think that um, by being able to work both in the IRS and and then advising clients. And then also, my earliest stint in transfer pricing was managing a transfer pricing software product, so I've had a broad view of things. And I think by being able to see sort of both sides of the table, if you will, in terms of trying to resolve, because transfer pricing isn't typically a one country thing. It involves one country doing something that then has an impact on the other country. So being able to kind of get the sense of how those disputes are actually resolved has really given me a much broader idea of the kinds of issues and and how one might be able to get to a resolution.
0: You help multinationals plan and develop their global transfer pricing strategy. What do you find is the most gratifying part of the process or how about the most challenging?
1: The most gratifying part of the process is getting to the point where there is a global transfer pricing strategy, and that it, in fact, reflects the business model. I think that's the piece that sometimes gets lost in that transfer pricing, as I've said on the show before, is storytelling, and the business has to drive the strategy, so It is gratifying when I can work with a company that is able to sort of tell the story, and we work together to identify uh, an approach and a strategy that will reflect that business. And the most challenging is honestly when when you have a situation where there may be some internal desire within a client to take an approach that isn't completely consistent with the business and the business structure that can be challenging sort of helping a client get to the point where the business and the transfer pricing strategy can be consistent and harmonious.
0: Right, right. You've been in the tax industry now for more than 20 years. How have you seen the global emphasis on tax transparency transform during that time?
1: Yeah, I mean, first, I want to say that I feel like there's two levels of tax transparency here, right? There's transparency with the tax authority for the country or countries where you are actually doing business and reporting income. And that certainly, with regard to transfer pricing, the focus on transparency has sort of exploded in the sense that when I was first working in the area, was the transfer pricing documentation requirements were brand new, nobody quite knew, how much do I actually have to tell them? Do I really have to give them all this information? It seems like so much. And I think that over time, most of my clients sort of were able to understand the fact that your documentation lets you tell your story. And if you tell a coherent story and you have a coherent strategy, then an auditor is going to get to the end of the documentation study and say, okay, I don't see anything here on to the next one. And that's really what your documentation is supposed to be doing. I think there was transparency between a country and a taxpayer. And as things moved on, it's moved into transparency between and among countries. So that has sort of broadened. And most recently, we've got a bunch of ideas about public transparency, about which I will speak later.
0: Right, right. And how does tax transparency affect transfer pricing and vice versa? How does transfer pricing affect tax transparency?
1: I mean, I think transfer pricing was a big driver on the part of a number of jurisdictions to lead to tax transparency. I think that certainly countries... uh, Taxpayers were designing structures and setting intercompany prices and doing all those sorts of things, and the countries didn't know what was going on, and so thus, there was the desire to get information through the documentation reports. And I wouldn't say that the transparency, to the extent that the transparency affected transfer pricing. That could mean that the transfer pricing might have not been as completely consistent with the arm's length standard as one would have wanted. So there may be some difference with some companies between when I can sort of do what I want and I don't have to tell anybody, and when I have to be able to tell my coherent story to one or more tax authorities. And then transfer pricing, again, affects tax transparency in the sense that It is a large reason for the kind of transparency that countries across the globe are looking for.
0: And in your opinion, what separates U.S. tax transparency efforts from other leading jurisdictions? Where do you see room for improvement?
1: Well, the U.S. was really the first country to put the stake in the ground and say, here's documentation and you got to do this. And while we aren't gonna make you hand it in with your return, if we ask you for it, it has to have been in existence on or before the day that you file your return. So I think that the U.S. has been somewhat ahead. The OECD guidelines came out at approximately the same time, but other countries, at least 25 years ago, were more reluctant, it seems, to make transparency and by transparency, that's like shorthand for documentation, telling your story, a requirement. There was much more of the OECD guidelines spoke in terms of foundations and yes, it would be really good to be able to have this information, but the U.S. was kind of on the forefront of requiring it. I think Canada was another country that came into the, we want documentation from you. And the early side so i feel like though these are things that oecd was thinking about and the u.s certainly irs before the documentation requirements and before the 92 and 93 regulations were kind of getting losing a lot of cases against taxpayers who just like wouldn't give them the stuff or you know would give them a a truckload of stuff in some language other than English. So I think that the U.S. was ahead. I think everybody now recognizes the need for documentation. In terms of improvement, I sort of feel like the system that we have works pretty well. It's hard to think of something that companies are not being asked to provide at this point that would be useful.
0: Indeed. And public country by country reports are swiftly becoming a reality in the EU. As for the United States, it's cooking up its own version in the form of the Disclosure of Tax Havens and Offshoring Act. Can you tell us a bit more about this bill and what it aims to do?
1: I must first say public disclosure of this information, in my view, is wrong with a capital W. I think that. To me, there is an enormous difference between, for example, country by country reports. Country by country reports, as we know, are exchanged with various countries. I believe somewhere I wrote down earlier today, the United States has 49 exchange agreements with 49 countries. There are five countries that they're in negotiations with, including, oddly, France. Germany just signed theirs in 2020, so they haven't determined yet how to implement it. But those but the exchange of country to country reports, if you actually look at the at the agreements themselves, all have a big section called confidentiality. And that was very, very critical. Having been at IRS when, you know, when when FATCA was first getting ramped up in terms of entering into the inner country agreements to exchange packet type data confidentiality is really critical and and i'm not sure honestly what the purpose of i mean bill hr 3007 which i believe has passed the house but has not been considered by or passed by the senate yet essentially basically says the country by country report must be provided as part of your reporting if you are a public company under the scrutiny or the control of the SEC, and it must be publicly discussed. I don't see an upside to that, honestly. The bill itself basically takes the country by country report and says, public companies, you have to do this public, country by country reporting, and then it is going to be like put it in your 10k or in some way it then can become publicly available to to the public, to potential investors, to whoever, other countries. For one thing, we don't need it. I also was amused by the title, which is Disclosure of Tax Havens and Offshoring Act, which kind of screams these companies are doing bad things. They're in tax havens and they're offshoring. And that is framing it in a way that frankly is ludicrous and unfair and doesn't describe the actual business. And so the bill itself apparently aims to make the country by country reports which taxpayers provide to whoever their home country and then other countries get it, whatever. Um, and there's a confidentiality paragraph in every single one of these exchange of grants. So if the act is passed and goes, it's passed as I understand it in the house and if it's passed in the Senate and signed into law, I honestly don't see the point. I think that it can create issues, I mean, one might say well well come on who cares you know it just says where they're doing business and how much money and well first of all businesses have to be able to have some aspects of their operations that they don't have to tell everybody about and then i just don't see the point there's a very strong point for the other jurisdictions where the company may be doing business to get the information and to understand What's the size of the business operations in this country, and what's your headcount, and what's your tax, and whatever all the things that are required in the country by country report? But I'm personally struggling with what the public interest or the public benefit is in having access to the country by country reports, other than this tax havens and offshoring which one might assume by the title of the bill, the sponsors of the bill frown upon such things.
0: And if the act is passed, how does the way the country by country reporting becoming public uh, as specified in the bill create a new level of transparency for U.S. companies? Why is this an area of opposition for some U.S.-based multinationals?
1: Well, for one thing, under the Internal Revenue Code of the United States of America, tax return information is confidential. And I can tell you when I worked at IRS, I cannot even tell you the the extent to which and the, the things we had to go through to make sure that none of us were revealing confidential information about the taxpayers with whom we are working to somebody else, even within the IRS. So that's sort of sacrosanct is tax return information and it's confidential because the Internal Revenue Service, the tax authority wants the taxpayers to be completely honest in their reporting. And again, they don't necessarily want all these things to be public because one might be able to determine some business strategies. Say, oh look, this company didn't pay many taxes, aren't they bad? and so it will create a new level of transparencies for us companies in that this form that they were already doing will now be public but i don't understand seriously the need for or the interest in that level of detail i mean certainly public companies report to the sec in terms of all the places they do business and you can look at a company's 10k and you can get a certain you know sense of where the company is doing business how much did they make all of that and this level of detail i just feel again i just don't see a public interest in this level of detail about what is essentially tax information or it's arguably financial information but you know
0: A global pandemic, a grim economic forecast, feeling the squeeze, an R&D tax credit can help lower your burn. If you qualify, the IRS and some state governments will give you a tax credit equal to 10% of your company's spend on development activities. You can even take the credit against payroll taxes if you're in the red. All you have to do is claim it. And just to recap, tax transparency is a growing area of concern around the globe, and the United States is no stranger to this. The U.S. is making forward motion, as evidenced by the Disclosure of Tax Havens and Offshoring Act. Regardless of the bill's outcome, it demonstrates how the United States is recognizing the importance of transparency and that multinationals need to follow suit. Now, Barbara, the U.S. is not part of the OECD Common Reporting Standard. What has it enacted as an alternative?
1: Well, first of all, let me clarify. The U.S. passed FATCA, which is the Foreign Account Tax. I'm not going to be able to tell you what the letters stand for. The Common Reporting Standard is based on FATCA. The United States was miles ahead of the OECD common reporting standard. And if you look at the common reporting standard guidelines, you will find that on page three, they say it is based in large part on FATCA. So they aren't part of it because they had already enacted FATCA and had entered into agreements with other countries to exchange this financial bank reporting data. And For those of you who might not recall, FATCA was quite controversial at the time that it was passed. There was some sense on a lot of people's parts that the United States would never be able to get any other country to agree to provide their bank information, except that the US was also offering to provide bank information to these other countries. And now there are many, many countries, so basically, The U.S. isn't part of it, on account of they didn't need to be part of it, because they already had FACA, they already had started entering into agreements with other countries, So, and it's a very consistent standard. Again, the standards of the common reporting standard was basically based on FACA, which they say in in the outline.
0: The U.S. is also not a signatory of the Multilateral Competent Authority Agreement or MCAA on the exchange of country by country reports. What would motivate the U.S. to not sign on to this initiative?
1: Again, the U.S. <laughs> has 49 exchange agreements, five in negotiations, and Germany just signed. When country by country reports became a thing, the U.S. decided to enter into individual agreements with individual countries as opposed to being a signatory of the MCAA. Now, why the U.S. decided to enter into its own um, individual ones, part of that may have something to do with we want to decide who we're going to exchange with and who we're not. We don't necessarily want to become a signatory of something that would require us to exchange. I have no idea, but what I do know is that that the U.S. chose, and I believe that the U.S. started entering into these agreements at around the same time as the MCAA came into being. So it's the same country by country reports. And it may be that the U.S. wanted to control and make sure that it was all treaty partners that, that it exchanged with. I'm not 100% certain.
0: And Barbara, what are the potential roadblocks that could hinder the U.S. from increasing its transparency initiatives? How can these be resolved?
1: I mean, obviously... Again, if we're talking about transparency from a internal transparency between a taxpayer and a government, I don't see any roadblocks so to speak. It's hard for me to imagine information that isn't typically included in your transfer pricing documentation, which of course anybody who's ever actually had to put it together knows, is extraordinarily broad covers the entire, you know, not only like this is my company and this is what it does, but drives very far into how the internal economics are structured, et cetera, et cetera. So it's hard for me to think of an aspect, certainly for transfer pricing, where there's some black hole of information that you can't get regarding taxpayers doing business in the US. So I think that obviously this whole public publication of essentially taxpayer data, there could be a roadblock to that if that doesn't actually get passed. But I'm hard pressed to, in the transfer pricing world, and maybe I've just been doing this for long enough that I don't see other things that are helpful to know, but. I feel like when the transfer pricing documentation regulations came into being and when 62 came into being, that they cast a very, very wide net. And it's hard for me to think of anything that doesn't get swept up in that net. Um, Now, in terms of public transparency, that's another whole story. And, and then that becomes, that implicates a lot of things like tax data that companies have an interest in not making public, and there's sort of limits in terms of you know, publication of data at the granular level that the tax, offshoring tax, whatever act does
0: yes that's the disclosure of tax havens and offshoring act it really doesn't have any kind of abbreviation or uh,
1: acronym yeah. to really latch on to <laughs> no it doesn't and honestly it isn't about any of that i mean arguably okay maybe it's about offshoring broadly stated but for a lot of companies you know they didn't offshore things they just started doing whatever the activity was offshore to begin with. And then Japan's not a tax haven, and India's not a tax haven, and China's not a tax haven. So, so to some extent, I feel like it, it maybe presents, it may be solving a problem that doesn't exist, essentially. Because I just, again, I struggle with what as an investor, you can tell by looking at a 10K, where they're doing business and where they have operations and, you know, all of that.
0: And then there's the argument, I think you've you've put some frame on it, that public country by country reports can do more harm than good. Can transparency go too far? Is there a situation where it does more harm than good?
1: You know, I think I would reframe the question a little bit. I do think, as I seem to have said, sort of, I do think that tax transparency can, in fact, go too far. I think that there's to some extent it's hard for me to come up with sort of an affirmative value to the public of knowing like oh they have this many people and they got this much money and you know because essentially particularly transfer pricing if you don't and i i don't mean to sound sort of snotty or obnoxious here but if you don't understand transfer pricing then you might look at a country by country report and not really get it and not really necessarily be able to see oh this this makes sense because you know this is happening here and this country has ip and whatever and the and the just the flat numbers don't necessarily they don't necessarily tell the story and they can be subject to misunderstanding, I think. And so the fact of the matter is that, you know, as, as I said, every single exchange agreement that the U.S. has and and the NCAA says all over it, like, we're going to exchange this and you're going to keep it confidential and you're not going to publish it. And so, and so I, I think that making country by country reports, just flat out, country by country reports, are going to be public. I think there's no context. And I think that country by country reports were designed for a tax authority to get it and then be able to exchange with others and be able to look at the picture of where, oh, this company is doing business in my country, what's going on there? And so it does take a certain level of expertise or understanding of the principles to be able to read through a country-by-country report and see it in context. And that's my concern is that, first of all, publication of country-by-country reports like violates everybody's understanding of what one was going to do with them and sort of like like changes the deal with all these various public companies. I mean, in some countries, having that level of public reporting of data, I don't know if somewhat closely held, but public company, do I go private and say, I'm just going to get out from under the SEC because the SEC's goal is for me to share information, and that's just information I want to share. I mean, obviously. The large public multinationals in the US are not going to suddenly all privatize because somebody said you have to give us country by country reporting and we'll publish it. But it does fly in the face of everybody's understanding of tax data, and certainly within the US, and the deal that the US makes with every country that it signs an exchange agreement.
0: And just a brief recap when it comes to tax transparency the u.s dances to the beat of its own red white and blue drum while it's not following a quote-unquote traditional route like public country by country reporting or signing on to the multilateral competent authority agreement the u.s has implemented measures to hold multinationals accountable and now more than ever is a critical time for MEs to stay tuned to what the u.s is doing as tax transparency cross-border solutions ai-powered transfer pricing software keeps you in compliance by preparing accurate hyper localized reports that protect you from transfer pricing audits penalties, and adjustments. And our technology is available for one flat fee, a fraction of what you'd pay a big name consultant. Again, apologies, Big Four. Stay in compliance and on budget with cross-border solutions, AI-driven transfer pricing software. It's no wonder we're the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. There we go again. I'm so sorry, Big. You know what? Wait, who am I kidding? Sign up for a free demo of cross-border solutions, transfer pricing technology today at xbs.ai slash tp. That's xbs.ai slash tp. We want to thank Barbara for joining us on this very informative discussion. If you like today's podcast, you're going to love the other shows in Cross Border Solutions Tax Podcast Suite. That's the Fiona Show R&D Tax Credit, the Fiona Show Tax Provision, and the Fiona Show Hot Off the Press. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts that's the fiona show transfer pricing and we'll keep you up to date on the latest in transfer pricing my name is matthew Demello, and they let me host edit and engineer this podcast marylyn mitchamstrom is our executive producer thanks so much for tuning in everyone we'll catch you next time